here from Precure. Good to have you. We're talking about PK103. Physical activity, exercise and health. Science of practice. Great. So let's start by, so what's the difference between physical activity and exercise? Isn't it the same thing? Well, there's a f quite a few different little terms here and it's worth just knowing the difference between them before you start. So there's this entire energy expenditure you might use up just by being alive and there's a lot of components that could make that up. So there's some just by your basal metabolic rate, like just being alive. Uh, there's some energy required when you digest food, called the thermic effect of food. Uh, and then there's a whole bunch of energy that's used up by being physically active. That's, that's the other part. So physical activity is any bodily movement that you sort of voluntarily do that uses up energy that's not basal metabolic rate or digesting food. Now, physical activity is, 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 you could accumulate it by just walking to the coffee machine, going to the toilet, standing up a few times, walking around, or you could plan it and go and do a session of it, and that's what we call exercise, which I think is obvious. Right, so, but if I go to the gym four times a week for 30 minutes or an hour, and then that's it. I'm, I'm physically active. I don't have to worry. Well, we'll get to the, the guidelines in that in a bit. But I, the point is about that, in, in terms of actual energy expenditure, it's just nothing much. I mean, humans are alive 24-7, of course. Uh, they're burning energy the whole time. Those little bits of organised effort, if you're otherwise sedentary, sitting around, so that's the other definition, sitting a lot, it's not going to mean much. And so when, we talk, when it's energy expenditure and, and that sort of thing, what really counts is that activity that's not exercise related. And that's, that's one of the things that's really dropped off for humans because we don't do so, so much of that anymore. Right, and that's where some of these concepts like 10,000 steps have come from and just to, to actually get us moving more and sitting less. Well, I, I think people should be curious about how many steps is a good example that they take during the day. How much do you just move around accidentally? And that really, it's something that's been engineered way out of our life. Sure. So, so in the bigger picture still, how does it affect our health? So, so how important is it? And I know you, know you get asked this all the time because I hear people ask you, so what is more important? It's, is, it, is it exercise and movement or is it food or is it sleep? or is it, so, so what is it about exercise, physical activity and our health that is so important? Well, the thing is that we're an adaptable organism. We change our homeostasis. We change the resources we give to certain things depending on the stress that's involved. So there's a principle in exercise science called reversibility. If you don't do anything, your body doesn't maintain that function uh, and it, it downgrades it to stop wasting energy on it. On the other hand, if you stress the body, physical activity and exercise are uh, stresses, then your body adapts to it to make sure it can cope. And so what you see is that being stressed by physical activity and exercise and allowing enough time to recover enables the body to be functioning and fully functioning pretty much for every organ in the entire system, including the whole system. So everything from mood to life satisfaction to not having depression, to cognitive function, to the function of your heart and your lungs and your kidneys and your, every other organ in there, and then your muscles and, and the nerves throughout your body, your skin depends on 
having that physical stress. No physical stress, you unadapt. And I think the, the ultimate example of that, of course, is you send these astronauts off into space. Right. And they, don't have yeah. the, they haven't even got gravity acting on their skeleton, let alone the ability to physically exert themselves. And the body just unadapts. It unadapts to being in a weightless environment. You put it back on Earth and they can hardly function. It's the old adage, use it or lose it, is actually really true. Yeah, and so this has really been studied now pretty extensively. Well, actually it wasn't studied in, at all up until World War II because I think for the most part humans were naturally active as part of their everyday life and they didn't need to, to do more. But as we started to invent television and cars and airplanes and uh, telephones and these sorts of things, computers and now uh, iPads and iPhones and these sorts of things, we now understand that there's groups of people in society who don't move around much and they're at a massive risk of poor health. And that started with the London Bus Conductors study with Jerry Morris in the 60s and then a whole series of, of studies and thousands of them really over the next 20 or 30 years after that, culminating in 1996 with the US Surgeon General giving a comprehensive report going, look, activity is an essential part of human health and being inactive is actually a major public health problem. Right, and so tell me more about the London bus conductors. Oh, I was just, really there was conductors and drivers who were men, 100% men, but pretty much nothing much different from them other than one sat driving the whole day and suffering the stress of that and one was walking around collecting tickets and conferring the benefits both of talking to people but being physically active. Right, the conductors, of the, course. Yeah, right. so, so the conductors had about less than half the chance of a heart attack and less than half the chance of dying early of anything. And so that, that sort of work-related activity we know is good. But the difference, so simply, the difference was between the conductors and the bus drivers, assume they were matched for all the other areas, but the difference was that the conductor was interacting with people and walking and the bus driver was sitting. Correct. Wow. Yeah. yeah, and that, that's well known now, that, that stuff, and I guess that spurred the whole area, then we've come into this idea that we might want to give the public guidelines about how active they should be, so this has ended up being this, we, the, the original Surgeon General said accumulate 150 minutes of moderate activity across a week, which is, would work out to be walking briskly for 30 minutes a day on most days, and you know, I've always felt that sitting in the bar astonishingly low. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, because is, is it like, for example, for years we've been told, eat five plus fruit and vegetables, and really that's probably the absolute bare minimum in terms of, it's certainly not for optimal health, and so the physical activity guidelines, who are they actually aimed at, well, and, I think, and are they enough? Well, the, 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 there's, the, of course, the biggest improvement in health is going from being an absolute couch potato to doing something. Sure. So, so from a public health point of view, you're going, well, can we get these people moving, do anything, absolutely, uh, do 30 minutes a day, and there's definitely benefits from doing that. The other thing, of course, is that half the population is either 3 out of 10 people are completely sedentary, or 2 out of 10, so 5 out of 10 don't even meet those guidelines, so for, for the best bang for your buck, you're probably worth aiming for that. The second thing is though that um, we've actually moved on, so in New Zealand our physical activity guidelines are pretty comprehensive now both for kids and adults, and they just say, first of all, get active, 
for 150 minutes a week. But if you want additional benefits, then you need to at least double that to five hours a week, and it needs to have vigorous activity, it needs to have strength training and resistance training to maintain and build muscle mass, and it probably needs to have anaerobic or hard training that makes, that we also call vigorous activity, make you huff and puff, and there's benefits from that. So we've actually, we're, we, we, we do set the bar initially low, but actually when you look at what the guidelines are, uh, at least in New Zealand, uh, they're pretty demanding, and actually virtually no one meets them uh, in, in that sort of high activity, five hours plus a week. Right. Yeah, but the people aren't, aren't doing that, and if they did, it'd be great. Yeah, and so what the, the strength one particularly interests me starting to age, so people in their, in their 40s, 50s, that's my understanding, the biggest... Well, you, the thing is with resistance training, you want to... You've got, you can think about different phases in your life. So in your 20s and 30s, you can still be building muscle mass. Sure. Uh, and hopefully you want to do that because your peak muscle mass in your life matters. Right. Uh, through your middle age, you're probably not going to build any more than that, but you want to at least maintain it, and you're going to need resistance training to do that. And through older age, even if you are doing resistance training, you're going to lose it. Right. And so the question is, there's probably a critical point for most people where they lose muscle mass to the point that they're no longer functioning properly as a human. They're, they're disabled because of their lack of strength and function. If you don't have a high peak, if you don't maintain it, and you don't keep doing some as you get older, good luck with that. And so actually resistance training matters at every age. Yeah, and so let's, just being really practical for a minute, resistance training, so how do you get yours, 50-year-old male? What do you do? I do some push-ups. I've got a pull-up bar at home, and I've got a rusty old set of weights that I lift up and down. As well, I actually prefer not to do that stuff because, first of all, it's boring. I don't like it. What I'd much rather do is some actual physical work, lifting building supplies, chopping and moving wood, moving rocks around the house. Okay. <laughs> as you do. As, as you, you do. do. But, but, but those, I think that's a much more natural way to get that sort of functional strength. Right, and, and, and so what are, so, so that's sort of a domain of at home, working around the house. So what are the other domains where, that you actually cycle to and from work? So there must be some strength in the hills and... Yeah, that's up. right, yeah. to put it in a hard gear and slow down. So, yeah. I mean, there's domains of physical activity. So there's work-related physical activity, of which I get zero. I'm sure, a, yeah. I'm a sitting around professor. An academic professor. Professor, not, yeah. I mean, most people say I do bugger all anyway, but I certainly <laughs> do bugger all physical work. There's, there's transport, so I take advantage of that. I cycle to and from work. There's... Uh, leisure time physical activity, which I certainly engage in, there's swimming and running and those sorts of activities. There's household physical activity, which I definitely am engaged in, washing and lawn mowing. I just fixed the sewage pump. <laughs> Go you. <laughs> okay, so tell me about fitness then. So physical activity, exercise, but then there's fitness. And so what are the components of fitness and what do we actually mean when we say, are you fit? Oh, that's it. Yeah, we forgot about fitness, didn't we? And I think society's forgotten about fitness, frankly. So we talk a lot about being active, but actually a much more powerful determinant of health is the outcome. Are you physically fit or not? Do you have strength? Do you have endurance? Do you have flexibility? Do you have skill to do these activities? Is this what we sort of call a functional fitness? Well, fitness, fitness has seven domains. I call them the seven S's, just so I can remember them. But the seven S's are sprightliness, which is really agility and, and the ability to move around. So, uh, sure. Yep, there's strength. 
the ability to lift and move heavy things. There's stamina, which is endurance. There's speed, the ability to go fast. Uh, there's suppleness, which is flexibility. There's size. What do uh, you mean by size? Well, depending on the activity, and there's psychological for us, but let me just explain all of these because I think the size and the psychological you'll understand. So you can be fit for various activities. You're fit to go to work and be a builder. Well, you're sure. going to need some endurance, um, probably very little speed. You're going to need some psychological stuff, some agility to, to walk around the building side and not fall over. Suppleness, don't know, strength, absolutely. That's very different than the fitness required to be a gymnast. We're going to need a lot of sprightliness, a lot of flexibility, a lot of strength, probably not so much endurance, some psychological skills, and a very different body size. So sure. fit, physical fitness has these different components, but it really depends on the activities that you need to be fit for. And, and that's just one way of thinking about it. The major one when we talk about being fit is probably cardiorespiratory fitness, or in other words, your stamina, your endurance, which is your ability to function on a, like a, a treadmill or, or a bike, or this and the VO2 max and that sort of thing. So that's, that's fitness. Okay, all right. Uh, I guess the other thing to say about fitness which we're covering here, is that fitness is really the forgotten thing in society for health benefits. So when we're not just studying how active people are and risk of dying and heart attacks and all that sort of thing, studying how physically fit they are has turned out to be a massively important thing. And I've talked about this a fair bit in, in, throughout my career, but there's studies, particularly an interesting one, where they studied 500-odd runners, from a California running group, age 50, and matched them up with another 500 non-runners. Still uh, healthy, but just not as physically active and certainly not as physically fit. And there's just an astonishing difference. And, and tw after 29 years, the death rate is half that in the runners. The disability endured in that 21 years while they're alive, 12 years less in the runners. Wow, yeah. <laughs> and it's just... It makes you want to take up running. Well, I'm not sure it's just the running. I'm not sure running per se is necessarily the, the activity, but I think being physically fit is... And we, we, in my opinion, we've invented, we sort of, you talk about being fit, and people look at you, and you, you know, and when you're going out, if you do five hours of activity a week, dedicated work fitness, people will actually think you're a bit weird. They call you a fitness freak. <laughs> well, I've been called a fitness freak several times, which <laughs> yeah, I find astonishing, really. Yeah. You know, to, to get to a point where you're getting one of the most powerful health benefits in modern medicine, and to be socially mar marginalized by being a freak, is just weird. Sure, and so here at Precure, we've actually got the fitness guidelines, and we purposely called them the fitness guidelines rather than the exercise or the physical activity guidelines. Do you want to talk to us about those? Oh, well, the, I think the fitness guidelines came about. Do you want to go through those one at a time? And I'll, I'll yeah, sure. So, so number one, organise your life to include lots of moving and less sitting. If you don't get organised and actually make it a priority and change your work environment and your and your transport environment and your home environment to actually encourage it, it won't happen. You can go exercising once or twice a week, that's great, but unless you organise yourself, it won't happen. It's not enough. No. Number two, exercise in an easy, aerobic way every day and whenever you can, do as much as you can to fit into your lifestyle, but keep it really easy. I think one of the major things I see in exercise that's a major mistake is people just going too hard. Aerobic exercise is you're not huffing and puffing. You can easily carry it a conversation. For me, that's actually walking up hills rather than running. If I go, if I actually run up steep hills, and I'm a pretty good runner. And you are a pretty good runner. Then I, yeah. will, I will exceed that and I need to slow down. And, and you can finish this type of exercise of activity feeling invigorated, not tired. That's the whole point.
Yeah, we're always seeing runners just obviously going too hard and I worry that they then takes them so long to recover or they then just don't don't keep it up. So it's an interesting one because you've got to let go of your ego, don't you? Yeah, and I, I see so many people out running that should be walking. Yeah. Um, I see so many runners who can run, walk, running up hills too hard. Sure. Um, I was overtaken the other day by a, a woman in her 70s who ran past me up a hill. Good. Um, wow, good to see she's out there. But, yeah, I think uh, she was going too hard. <laughs> Number three, exercise. So the third pre-cure fitness guideline, exercise in a very hard or anaerobic way a couple of times a week. Go hard, but not for very long. Yeah, if you're going to go hard, don't go medium hard, go really hard, but just keep it really short. So you could, you could do some hard sprints on the on your bike or up some stairs or running or whatever for five times 30 seconds have, have a minute or so between recover and then just go hard again get the ability to really take advantage of the fact you're a living animal that can maximize its output i think that's a really good point you get rid of that junky stuff in the middle so what you're actually saying is do a lot of activity going easy in that aerobic zone a couple of times a week Go hard, yep. but yeah, not not just medium. Actually, go hard. Number four, lift heavy things and use your body weight as resistance a couple of times a week. Well, I think body is an easy way to get resistance without having to go to a gym. And I find gyms, although I do occasionally go to them, quite a weird sort of thing. It's like being on a bus; you can't or an elevator, you can't look at anyone, you can't make <laughs> eye contact, you can sort of walk around with your head down while everyone walks around. I think these the synthetic things of human life, you'd be better off just lifting functional things. If you can't do that, then you actually go, go down, grab a tree to a pull up and do some push-ups and squats and whatnot. Sure. Number five, if you are tired from exercise, have a rest. Recovering from the stress of exercise is how your body rebuilds and gets fitter. Yeah, well, no kidding. If you don't rest, you can't get the principle of general adaptation. Be tired, but not fitter. And that would be a shame because you tried hard. <laughs> Absolutely. And number six, to keep being fit and active, you should find something you enjoy and can do with others. That way you will keep doing it. I think humans are really designed to operate in small groups with other people. Exercising by yourself can be good and it can be vaguely meditative and that sort of thing. But having to turn up and do it with other people is just great joy of exercising. Have a chat, talk about things, have some fun find something enjoy. People go, they hate running. I, I like running. Yeah, but if you hate running, don't run. Do something else that you enjoy. Yeah. Do it with people. And I think that's probably a good way to, to close. We started talking about what are the health benefits of exercise, fitness, physical activity, and more and more it is around mental health. And mental health, and as you say, if you can exercise with other people and enjoy it, well, that's got to be good for your mental health. Yeah, and we've got a mental health crisis, at least in this country we have, and that's just the clinical end. We've got a whole bunch of mood and anxiety issues in the middle, which we know that exercise is medicine. Fitness is medicine here, and that's what we should do about it, get moving. Great. All right. Thank you.